The following Days of Thunder Pick Your Poison special is brought to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe to PWOM now to enjoy other fine podcasts talking wrestling of the past, the present, and much, much more. Let's start the show. And welcome back after a lengthy hiatus to another Pick Your Poison special from your friends at Days of Thunder. I'm your usual host, Dave Ryan, uh, joined, as always, on Zoom this time by uh, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you? I'm good. I'm not too bad. That's a very somber kind of opening. Yeah, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't expecting that at well, all. Well, <laughs> it's late at night. It's, you know, these are casual, laid back side podcasts. I don't do the full intro with all the gusto we're just kind of boom we're here let's go like this is a series lee that started off with us at 3 a.m on a couch in oberhausen sitting around a zoom recorder so it's not exactly known for cutting edge production true maybe it's just so long since we've done one i'm just kind of thrown off by the the laid back attitude of this one yeah yeah not not that we're super serious every other week this is like the 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 podcast equivalent of you like you know that part during like the wedding where like the dads loosen the tie and undo the top button Mm -hmm. it's that part yeah now will by the end of it will it be the kind of podcast where we've done the second button there's sweat patches and we're singing sweet caroline i was just gonna say highway to hell is on and all doing air on the floor yeah any of those classics we'll find out now as you may know if you've listened to one of these shows before we always bring a guest a buddy of ours on uh who has uh picked the wrestler for pick your poison and this is no exception uh we brought on a man who we we've done crossover pods before we've been on his show so now it was it was well overdue that we returned the favor as we welcome the pod father himself alan kunan alan how are you when days of thunder call you <laughs> From pick your poison. Say you want Nagata. I want Nagata. Blue well, Justice, gentlemen. Well, that's the best guest introduction we've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> Might clip that as the new pick your poison theme. <laughs> Every pick your poison is Nagata now. Yeah. <laughs> How how have you been, buddy? The last time we had a, a crossover with your show, I believe we were sitting in a fogged up uh, car in a car park in Dublin. Uh, yeah, at the at the um, 
at the very outset. We didn't have a case in Ireland yet at that stage, but yeah. COVID was a thing that at least at that show, OTT show we were at, people were making in-ring jokes about. So it was mm, yeah. to that level, it was a bit of buzz in the news. People knew about it, but it was like make jokes about coughing and China stage of the uh, the yeah. pandemic and uh, not a real thing that's actually going to affect our lives in any meaningful yeah. way um i think i was probably one of the more taking it seriously people at that stage yeah. like i had my i had my hand gel and stuff and i was not yeah. getting too close to people that night but yeah. i still wasn't gonna stop having the, the, yeah. this two me in my <laughs> in my automobile for a little uh i i don't know my memory's a little hazy on i think i was kind of down on OTT's direction at the time and yeah. really uh, this David Starr I wasn't feeling that guy but you guys were full of praise for him um, <laughs> and uh, you I, I just left you to it um yeah yeah you were you were real hyped up for for him and what they were doing um, that's definitely I, I, how I remember it I, yeah. I had my apprehensions but I didn't want to ruin yeah. the mood you know yeah I remember you say you distinctly said repeat oh there's something off there I don't know about you guys yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Definitely weren't joining us on on a really uh, incorrect hype train at the time. Yeah. Um, in many ways, it's felt like about a million years since then. Yeah, I do remember like this was so I was going to be going to Germany to to sixteen carat, and I remember us talking about it, and you weren't going to be going, and you at the time were just like look maybe i'm being too cautious and at the time i was like well, maybe oh no no i was uh like that night i would have definitely like i only made the call not to go to germany the week off like i was oh, fully okay. i was fully going yeah right yeah. up until it was like because the week before like they were talking about travel stuff being an yeah. issue and i was like oh i'm still going to germany and then it was like over like 48 hours everything just went mm -hmm. and uh, yeah because it's like yeah. they shut down the area like the day after we got out like there yeah, was talk that weekend that it was like uh should we contact the airbnb host and see if we could stay a week longer because it looks like we're not getting out of here um, um, I think I think it all exploded in Germany that yeah, weekend. It was it was that area. Yeah. Like that's why yeah. I had to. So I, when I came back, I had to quarantine because the outbreak had happened in or around Dusseldorf, um, and they were like, "Oh, you need to quarantine for two weeks at home, and then you can come back to work." But by the time that was due to expire, the country went into lockdown. <laughs> so I was just like, everybody's like, "Oh, I have to go home now." I was like, "I've already been home for two weeks, fuckers." <laughs> And then you started recording weekly podcasts with me. Yeah, yeah. That's where it all really went downhill. <laughs> well, you guys weren't doing Days of Thunder before the pandemic. No, we were. We were. We, we, were, just, but we, we started doing it week. We did it weekly for like all, I think all of the first lockdown. Yeah. Like pretty much. So like six yeah, months nearly. Yeah. Yeah. From like middle of March through to the end of June, we did weekly shows, yeah. which like mistake, but you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, but Alan, look, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, pleasure to be here. Long overdue. It was actually during that weekly podcast phase where we had first actually <laughs> touched was base actually. with you. Yeah, we, then, we, we scheduled this show like 18 months ago. Yeah. <laughs> I was just really busy. I was like, guys, I, I might be good on the 5th of September 2021. Yeah. Um, could we make that work? Yeah. That was it. You, you, you're like, you needed certain conditions to be in an alignment and recording the night of CM Punk's return was actually on your list yeah. of demands. So, so guys, I'm going to need, I'm going to need CM Punk in a match where Sting is, uh, is uh, managing his opponent. And um, I need in the, um, 
in the Go Home show, I need his opponent to be in the main event against this guy, Daniel Garcia, who you've never heard of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and throw in those Everise guys as well into the into the equation. They're they're doing great things. Are they actually even shown up on WWE TV? I'm not sure. No, probably not. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we thought that was diva-like behavior, but you know, we rang old TK on the phone and he said, you know what, I'll do all that for you and I'll throw a little bit of Brian Danielson in on top for you and see if we can get him on your podcast then. And lo and behold, here you are. Um, here I am. Alan, without further ado, do you want to talk to us about who you've picked for Pick Your Poison and why? Well, as I already spoiled, I am here to talk Nagata, Yuji uh, Nagata, Blue Justice himself. Um, one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. Uh, the last wrestler that I think I hadn't met that I was, like, giddy about meeting, that, like, was, like, a bucket list name for me to be, like, oh, like, I'm talking, like, there, there's not that many that fit this criteria. Like, I'm talking Kenta Kobashi-level type guys. Like, yes. I was just, like, yeah, I got to you know i just i i can't wait to to meet this person in the show at some point and just get a photo like that would be the, like that level of markdom um that i had and like nagata was like the last one that i kind of was able to tick off a list in 2016 when i when i went to a new japan show in japan and he was he was selling that he was like they new japan unlike a lot of the japanese companies they didn't have like all the wrestlers out at the merch tables and stuff they would just have doing a signing and it just so happened to be Nagata and he had a new t-shirt out that he was hawking and uh, um, if you wanted a photo you'd buy a t-shirt which I obviously would have but it was the t-shirt he had where you would pull it over your On head his face. and his yeah. face would be there and I obviously knew the gimmick with this I'd seen it but he was still explaining it to me and he showed me and then he goes you and he puts the t-shirt over and goes you too can be Yuji Nagata. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, sold. <laughs> Absolutely sold. And just rambling like an idiot to him about matches he had in 2007 and stuff like that. And he was like, oh, oh I'm Yuji Nagata. And uh, <laughs> it was great. Um, but yeah, he's, when I, like, the Japanese companies I got into first and strongest were Noah and Dragon Gate. And New Japan kind of, came behind getting into Japanese wrestling they weren't a particularly I'd say welcoming company in terms of the product they were putting on it was a little ropey and um, it wasn't exactly a, the internet fans favorite in 2005-2006 and um, Yuji Nagata was kind of thought of as kind of one of the you know he was spoke about highly in places like power slam so i knew he was like a good guy they had there and i'd see bits and pieces and, and be impressed but then when i started to really follow new japan in 2007 that was and we'll talk about one match in particularly in particular from that year that was a year where he just helped the company so much and he the company this course that year and just redirected a lot of things and got themselves back on track and moved away from a lot of old stuff and moved in a new direction which Nagata I think is it's underrated how responsible he was for that and I've always kind of made a hall of fame argument uh for him based I think he got into the observer hall of fame I think he ended up getting getting in um uh but yeah I've always a big part of my argument for him has been that 2007 and, and how important he was and yeah he's just to me he is new Japan pro wrestling in so many ways just this 
ever-present figure from when he debuted in 1992 out of the dojo, um, went through the system, has fought for the company in interpromotional matches, both in wrestling and MMA, uh, sadly enough. Um, but uh, he's, he's just been um, a flag bearer for New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's never been... Um, you know, he's never done a, a stint elsewhere, like a Kojima or anyone like that, or he's never, he's never kind of been in like the, out, not the outsider faction, but, you know, like a, a Bullet Club type faction. Mm. He's always been New Japan Sekigon, like home army type guy. And he's the, he's the guy that sets the standard in the dojo. It's it's him that like, he might not be training the guys day to day anymore. You'd have some of the younger guys doing that, but he's the guy that sort of sets the culture there. Um, and right through to the likes of Tanahashi and people like that who continue to do so. And so, so much so that in the um, New Japan game, uh, the Fire Pro game for uh, PS4, when you go career mode, where you go into the dojo, Nagata is the guy who's the like leading you along. And there's all these little cutscenes where Nagata is giving you advice and, uh, and motivating you. And it's hilarious, by the way. I get the game just for that. They're tremendous. But um. Yeah, so he's just so important to my fandom, so important to that company. And uh, yeah, that's uh, and there's so many great options uh, for him, um, obviously, outside of his WCW run that are worth pointing to and worth exploring. So uh, I thought he was a he was a natural guy to to go to when you guys kind of gave me the stipulations for pick your poison. Do you think, um, so you mentioned a bit about your your Hall of Fame argument that you make about him. So do you think that like, maybe his reputation in the eyes of younger fans is a little bit hurt that like by the time a lot of kind of um a lot more eyes started coming on onto new japan and this most recent boom of theirs that he was already in his like mid to late 40s you that know, the people think people in their heads kind of think you yeah, maybe that's the position he was always in without digging back into history um i'm not really sure because like for one his performances have just been at such a high level during that whole time. Like he's mm-hmm. still like, even now, like the Moxley match a couple of months ago on AEW, like the guy yeah. delivers. Like yeah. he was one of the best guys during the like first six months of pandemic New Japan when mm. him and Ishii and him and Suzuki were just decided, okay, we'll just go <gasps> yeah. battery. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> close to picking that Suzuki match. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, all right, well, everyone else is struggling to figure out what to do here. Let's just batter each other. And, uh, um, like the guy just yeah, keeps himself in such good nick. Yeah. Um, and it's especially amazing considering I only watching the Tanahashi match we're going to talk about from 07. Um, I totally forgotten that I don't know if it was maybe 08 or 06, it was one of the years either side of that 2007 year. He had like a really bad, like I don't know if it was like a brain injury or some kind of head, neck, like it was a like something that was affecting his vision. Like it was some real serious career ending sounding stuff that sounded like really bad. And I remember thinking, oh, that's Nagata done. And like he just came back from it. And I was completely forgot about it. So, like, the guy's just that's the last time I remember him having any kind of issue. He's just been so rock solid since then. Yeah. And he's been, even whilst having great performances, he's also been treated as such a legend. Like, he got his that G1 send off he got was such a. Like that was put over so strong, and they had the English commentary at that point. You need people like Kevin Kelly just going nuts for what a legend he was. So I think that probably helped the newer fans of appreciate his, his legacy. Um, but yeah, 
I would certainly say that if you have only experienced the Nagata of the last 10, 15 years, to, or the last 10 years, to, to go and dig, dig into the archive, you're going to find a lot of real gems um, from his career. But uh, it was ultimately like a lot of, a big part in the Nagata story. And he, he's been, the course has kind of been corrected in these recent times with how well he's been treated. Mm -hmm. But a big part of the story was how badly he was treated by the company during his peak, uh, during his peak years of his thirties. Um, I, I was just going to jump in and say there at the time you became a fan, Alan, wasn't there like a pervading thought that he failed as a top guy? Like when the company really tried to work, the company people say the, the company got behind him, but yeah, they put him in the MMA matches and they really kind of killed off his uh, IWGP title reign. And yeah, I think it was his first reign. Didn't he have to give the belt up because he lost the, uh, an MMA fight? Some something like that yeah there was or they, um, they had had him in there with fujita and stuff like that yeah he was he was wrestling so basically like um he would be having he had two mma matches in fact one might have just been kickboxing i want to say no it wouldn't have been kickboxing it would have been mma but it was mm -hmm. on a k1 kickboxing show so and his opponents they were about a year apart i think one was fyodor emilianenko the other was mirko krokop so we're talking 0203 kind of time here. Basically, two of the scariest men yeah. walking the planet. Yeah. And they both destroyed him. And like shocker. In like, and it was Antonio Inoki throwing mm -hmm. him to the wolves. Like this, this is like peak Inoki level craziness, like where he was, he just got a thing at being responded about the MMA stuff. Um, that like with pride being so big at that time. And and he filled New Japan with shooter types like Fujita who would come in and not sell and you'd have all kinds of awkwardness and and weird stuff happening Bob Sapp and and various guys just coming in and, and creating bad situations and Nagata was constantly like finding himself the victim to this bad booking and he was given this long title reign which is actually really good he has some really good matches in there like with uh, Yoshihiro Takayama, even with Josh Barnett, they have an amazing match. Um, he has a bunch of awesome title defenses. It's a, it's a good long title reign, but it's on the back of having lost those MMA fights and Inoki basically um, kind of just shitting on him in the press and stuff. So it was like the, the company failed him and um, he wasn't able to be a big draw uh, because of that. And he got his head kicked in a couple of times and just all around, just a, not a, not a good situation. Um, but he just remained like from, I'd say, 04 to 07, he just remained just one of their more consistent performers. And even though he, he hadn't, even though he had quote failed on top, he still remained a real good, reliable wrestler. And then when they needed to create their new star and when you had some, level-headed people running the company again in 2007 when they were like right we need to have this Tanahashi guy get over because he's not getting over but we need him to be our top guy because Brock Lesnar has done a runner with our title um we've put it on this Tanahashi guy he's not over the men hate him um what are we going to do they put him in a series of matches with Yuji Nagata that span all of 2007 and he comes out the other end of it as the star and the guy who then carries the company and if it wasn't for Yuji Nagata I don't think that would have I don't think Hiroshi Tanahashi's career would have been what it was I truly do believe that 
Um, before we dive into the matches, I suppose I'll just uh, remind everyone because it's been so long since I pick your poison what the the rules of of picking matches for this uh, show are. So rule number one, the guest picks the wrestler. We have done so. Uh, number two, they must be on the active Thunder roster at the point in the timeline that Days of Thunder is at. That was certainly true when we originally booked this show. I'm not so sure what his last WCW appearance was. Um, the guest, Dave and Lee, all pick two matches each. Uh, one can be a personal fave and one an absolute best. Uh, the matches cannot be from WCW 1998-2001 as we either have or will likely cover it. And once a wrestler has been picked, they can never be picked again on Pick Your Poison. So Eugene Gata's uh, Pick Your Poison jersey will be hung up at the end of this. Um, but Judo Sua is still open if the next guest wants to take him. Wide open. <laughs> <laughs> the challenge has been laid down. Or perhaps for your own second appearance on the show. That'll be where we'll go. Um... So we're going to, the, the way we usually do it is to attack these matches in chronological order. And uh, by the looks of my run sheet here, uh, Alan, it's one of your matches first. Um, oh, actually, before we, we go to that, I should probably mention my own. Um, I have had the privilege of seeing Yuji Nagata t- wrestle twice uh, because he wrestled in person because he wrestled on the RevPro Global Wars that I, I went to um, in 20, I want to say 2016. And he had, he, he wrestled two thirds of British Strong Style. He wrestled Pete Dunne one night and Trent Seven the other. Um, and I have, I was saying to Lee before we started, like I have absolutely no memory of the Trent Seven match, but I read Ian Hamilton's review and he loved it. Um, but I do remember really enjoying the the Pete Dunne match, even though it was during that period, you might remember, Alan, where uh, Pete Dunne was like over as hell here and starting to get over in progress. But in Rev Pro, some of the crowds were still kind of like, eh. <laughs> yeah. So it was just like, it didn't really have a lot of heat, you know, because people were waiting. Like there was Shibata was on the card later. Ishii was on the card. Um who else was on the card? I think um, I think you said Hero was around. Hero was around. Lij were on that weekend as well, so they were kind of like this was an early in the card thing, and so the Rev Pro fans were kind of like, yeah, I guess whatever. Um, but I I really enjoyed it, and yeah, getting to be able to take off seeing the man himself live was was a great uh, privilege. But without further ado, Alan, uh, take us to your first match here. Well, we're starting, uh, like our own chron- chronological, we're starting for me with uh, the main event because yeah. I think this is, um, I voted it as number two best match in Japan of the decade in 2000s. Um, it's absolutely incredible. I figured there was a, a semi-decent chance one or both of you guys might not have seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's just from an era and a period that, you know, doesn't get talked about very much, doesn't get a lot the hype but um this is a match that i just absolutely love as a very sleepy person walks into the room here i I have (laughs) to disrupt the podcast with the list of takeaways (laughs) as i was instructed to do welcome to the show sarah (laughs) quarter past 11 i would like you to tell me which pizza places are still open? <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me you didn't set an alarm for yourself. I set an alarm. Oh, no. But I had a good two hours of sleep. So oh, you 
a good two hours sleep. I doubt myself a sleepy flush and I can't. Uh, okay, so you have the following options. All right. This is Mizzoni. already my favorite show ever. Mizzonis. <laughs> it's going to be up until half 12, I believe. Half 12, okay. Oh, also, get a wagon wheel. Fried Italia pizza when we got the we, other night. Yeah, yeah. Um, that one's still open. Until uh, when? Uh, the quarter or quarter past midnight. So probably after one order by midnight. Okay. Uh, Pinhead's Pizza. Up They're there. solid, yeah. They're still going as well. They're still open. Then on the left, I know you said you want pizza, but Mr. Chen is still there. No, he, he does it a good Chinese. No, so he does a good I, Chinese. I had rice earlier. I'm good. Yeah. All right. And um, anyway, if you don't Rosso think this is all staying in, that's available too. <laughs> what one? Joe Rosso. Do you know the one that's like the chipper and the pizza? Yeah, that's good. No, I think my leader leader in the clubhouse there is is Green Italia. Green we'll Italia. go. We'll go with that. If uh, do you want to think I, about I'd it go for pinheads. Lee says pinheads, but no, as it, contri- it contributes towards my wages. Oh, okay. it <laughs> contributes towards his wages. What? Don't get it. <laughs> it's important that he, yeah, they they buy off nice. our, well, they buy off us. I haven't done it well. <laughs> Face kind of like a cream cracker sometimes. Go, go with uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lee's just lost it on camera. <laughs> He's on camera, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not on camera. Go, Go uh, uh, <laughs> green Italia, and I want the uh, um, just pepperoni pizza like I got last time. Yeah, and um, chips because their chips are nice. Chips, that's all. Chips are any extras? Uh, no, we got some garlic sauce here, so it should be good. Tell that I'd hand rest. I'm She's wearing a Caymanito t-shirt and her sleeping uh, shorts, uh, her lemon shorts, uh, which are <laughs> pe- Penny's finest shorts with lemons <laughs> on them. Three euro, right there. Three euro. Yeah. Caymanito <laughs> was a bit more considering shipping from Mexico and all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's just dabbed as she leaves the room. And what's Hold on. Hold on till you feel it's appropriate to leave it before they finish up. And uh, then uh, whenever they deliver it from there. Tell Dave and Lee I said hello. And I hope they have a lovely all out for staying out, staying up. Did you guys hear that? We did. Yeah, we, did. Oh, okay. we hope you have a lovely night yeah. with your pizza. En- enjoy well. your pizza. <laughs> they said enjoy the pizza and they hope you have a lovely night too. Okay. Thanks. Bye. 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 <laughs> I don't know what she that, wanted that, me to. That's, that's that, all staying in. That, that's a VOW <laughs> level run in there. Yeah, that's <laughs> I don't know why she wanted me to tell you what she was wearing. But... Wow, she said it twice. Tell them what I'm wearing. <laughs> I think she wanted me to put over the cave and eat it from outside the room now, but I don't know, whatever. Oh, um, all right. Um, so yeah, Masanobu so Fuji. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the year 2000. Um, so to set the scene a little bit here, um, Misawa and the all his guys have fucked off to Pro Wrestling Noah. They've created that company. They've left Mrs. Baba, and uh, she's got nothing except two men who've stayed with. One man being Toshiaki Kawada, the other being Masanobu Fuji. So all Japan Pro Wrestling is essentially those two lads. And they're like, right, well, we need to, you know, get a bit of buzz for the old All Japan here. So we might as well go pick a fight with New Japan and yeah. pick a fight they did. Um, Kawada goes and wrestles on New Japan's October Tokyo Dome show with the uh, incredible title, one of my all-time favorite show titles, 
do judge which you'll see kensuke sasaki wearing a do judge t-shirt during this match i think it's like an invitation to give star ratings um perhaps uh, for the show <laughs> but um yeah he did the do judge tokyo dome show in october and he wrestled kensuke sasaki in like an ultimate dream match that was the japanese match of the year for that year um uh, in like all the magazines and all that it was a real big deal and then so that sparked the the feud essentially and then this show was in Osaka and they brought it back in tag form with the first time meeting of Kawada and Nagata which was kind of a big deal because they're both kind of um you know kicky shooty guys known as tough guys and it was just yeah definitely a, a marquee dream encounter so um you had those guys on opposite side of the ring you had nagata's uh, oftentimes partner uh plucky pre crazy Te- takayuki izuka and um you had on kawada's side of course his man his boy masanobu fuchi just happy to go in there and uh, any fight he wants to pick and uh, just abuse people as he did for his whole career so um all the uh all the ingredients were there throw in a white hot osaka crowd and you have one tasty tag team match and yeah this was my 2000 match of the year it was my best uh, second place match in the decade for japan um i love it i think it's incredible i think all the interactions between nagata and kawada totally deliver it was a case of a dream match living up to expectations izuka as he izuka like was never great he really was never great but there was three or four occasions where he was in a big match usually a tag match where he just totally brings it and like is an integral part of what makes the match so good and this is one of those examples um because he's like the outmatched guy you, you know he's not as good as the other guys in the ring he's clearly not the level of his partner Nagata. he's clearly a million miles from Kawada but he'll, he'll stand up to him and then he's the perfect guy for Fuchi to just torture which is what Fuchi does the ultimate torture in pro wrestling and uh, he puts that on display here and um, yeah there's so many great things about this match but uh, I'll let you guys take the floor so the like the first thing I noticed something you said as well, and that that's the crowd in this building. Yes. Like it's it's absolutely mm-hmm. nuclear. Um, like the moment Kawada comes out is like it's just deafening in the building, and it's kind of one of those. You know, there's like the there's the stereotypical like Japanese crowd that like stay quiet until the you know and, and respectful until the finishing sequences but this was not one of those cases this was like raucous yeah no as, as soon as Nagata and Kawada tag in the buzz in the crowd is just like they are up and yeah. ready for this and it's just it's, it's just an unbelievable atmosphere in general and I think um kind of going off what you said there Alan I think they do manage those interactions between Nagata and Kawada Mm -hmm. very well because I think they they pace them perfectly throughout the match that they're not giving you too much too soon but they're also not making you like wait to the point of distraction it's like they it's the perfect timing for every interaction they had like if I was planning out a match like this in my head these are exactly where I would put like the little moments here and there you know um, like every, every pin pin interruption, every kind of like time to get into the ring together, it, yeah. it is like you say, it's perfectly spaced throughout the 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, 
And it's the 30 w- minutes that flew by as oh, well. God, yes. Like I, I was blown away when the bell rang for the for the time limit draw. Yeah. Um, one thing that really like I was stunned at was the Iska chance. Yeah. I, I like this, this is a guy that I only know as kind of latter day crazy Suzuki goon Iska and like to hear the fans in Osaka like chanting his name on multiple occasions. Yeah. Hoping for him to get the tag was just oh, incredible. Yeah, um, they like, I. It's just like you said, uh, Alan. The the fact that like you know this kind of like almost dream confrontation between two kicky shooty dudes that like th- those interactions we talked about the the pin interruptions, little bits and pieces like that, and the moments where they tag in build so well to the latter stages of the match where they're just like leathering. What about the moment towards the end where they both block each other's insegiris? Mm-hmm. That's just yeah. amazing. Um, they both kind of did blocks like Arn Anderson did to Malachi Black the other night. <laughs> yeah. It was really just real cool blocks. Like put the arms up, take it on the wrists. Um, yeah. But uh, I, the thing I love about this match, and it gets me every time I watch it, I've probably watched this match so many times. Like It's such a personal favorite. But um, uh, I love how towards the end of the match, I think everyone but Nagata has had their leg has had one of their legs absolutely destroyed in the latter stages of the match mm-hmm. and they're all hobbling and barely yeah. able to walk and you want to see leg selling at like another level like yeah. it was it was amazing and and, and, uh, and that's a period of the match that I think like in other hands wouldn't feel earned like I think the way some of them were selling death and uh, dead legs towards the end of this when they were trying to get in and break up pins or submissions or whatever um like if your average kind of like American indie or or anything like that, mm. and you saw that on a show, it'd feel like almost campy, like at a, over the top. But the way they pull you into the story of the match and the like you said, everyone's limbs getting worked on and the aura that, that they have. Yeah, like Fuji, Fuji can be as campy as he wants to be because of his aura. Like that that moment where he's circling. Izuka and he's circling him hobbling so he's like yeah. hobbling around and he's like he's kind of pumping his fist and he's trying to walk and then Izuka stands to his feet and Fuji just absolutely nails him with a torpedo like drop drop kick, kick yes knee. I was yeah. just about to mention it yes oh. literally before that moment he couldn't stand he was the illegal guy in the ring and he couldn't stand to get out in Bad attacks in me, and I was like, okay, this is going to be the end of the match. Yeah. Fuji is going to get cut. Yeah, and like he's you like, say, well, if I can't walk, you're not going to walk yeah, either. Oh my god, what just, a like, drop kick! Assassin <laughs> takes out the knee. It's amazing. There, there's this moment, like right, I think maybe two or three minutes from the end, where like but, uh, both the lads that had been on the apron, Fuji and Izuka, one by one, come into the ring, and they kind of do the same thing, where both of them try to come in to interrupt something that's going on, but like they get through the ropes very slowly, and then immediately their legs give out, mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh my, this is incredible. It's like they can't. It's not even you know the the usual thing where they get right over and with the last bit of energy they collapse on top and break up the thing. It's like they can't even get a step beyond the ropes unassisted mm-hmm. without the legs giving out. It's like just like you said, I, next level stuff. I love the finish where um, Iska and Fuji clash heads. So it comes down to Nagata and Kawada. Yeah. 
and the, and the crowd at this point are just absolutely molten. They are just like, yeah. right, we're ready for this. This is it. And then the 30 minute time limit. Yeah, just like uh, just like going hell for leather for that like last mm-hmm. minute, 90 seconds. And then the frustration yes. on their faces when the bell rings, like they sell the time limit draw like both of them had lost. Do you know what Nobody I mean? is happy. Did yeah. either of you guys know it was a time limit draw? No. 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 What was your reaction when the bell rang? Uh, I, 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 I was still, I was like, oh my God, they had like hell. I, was, I, I like for there was a hassock. I was like, oh my god, no! And I was like, that's actually perfect. Yeah, that's like, actually perfect. Like I said, I was sure either Iska was taking the fall or Fuji was going to get caught somehow in the Nagata lock. Yeah, right at the death. Yeah, that, and that was one of those things where you know the way sometimes you watch matches and like they're running against the time limit, and you can tell they're working in a way where they're just running down the clock because it's going to be mm. a time limit draw. But genuinely, for that last ninety seconds, two minutes, I was like. I would believe that one of them is going to get put away at any second here, mm-hmm. that it actually felt like a sprint to the end, like they were trying to win. Um, yeah, it was just like, just fucking in- incredible stuff start to finish. Um, I absolutely love this. This will be getting put on the, like the, I want to watch some good shit playlists when I don't know <laughs> what to put on. That's why that's I like, nothing, nothing I enjoy more than uh, getting a, a relatively not obscure match, I suppose. Not because it's such a well-regarded match by those who've seen yeah. it. It's hard to call it obscure, but mm. uh, maybe one that's not uh, super talked about these days. Yeah. I love getting a match like that and, and showing yeah. it to new eyes and having the reaction being just like yours is there guys it's uh, very gratifying yeah and it's not it's one as well that's like a little bit tougher to dig out than some of the others on this list like there's a bunch of the ones here like um that are available on either youtube or on new japan world but um this one like it was a, it was a daily motion we found it's, it on there's in the end. daily uh, motion the- there's daily motion it's on the ditch site for anyone who knows about that and uh there's also, if you want a, um, I only thought about this today. I should, I would have given it to you guys originally, but there's like a super crystal clear high def version of it from, um, that's up on the. Uh, I don't know if you guys have come across the uh, archive or uh, uh, websites with loads of old match links and stuff. There's loads no, no, of stuff. I didn't know that. I'll send you some links. There's loads of stuff on archive.org now. I would definitely like an excuse to watch that again. Mm-hmm. yeah and there's there's one channel in particular that has like all the new japan stuff that was on dvds um around oh, this era nice. in like super high quality so yeah this was one match because that that stuff that's on that archive.org page was a daily motion channel this time mm-hmm. last year it popped up and during lockdown i was watching so much stuff on, on day channel got nuked but it's all on archive.org so it's all good and I'd highly recommend if you like this, go and watch the Do Judge match between uh, Kawada <laughs> and Kensuke. Un- under the condition that you pronounce it, Do Judge every time. <laughs> yeah, exactly and then like give that. your star rating because you've yeah. been you've been asked to. Did they uh, did they judge. build to a rematch between Sasuke and Kawada? As Suzaki and Kawada. Oh, yeah. Suzaki and Kawada. Sorry, sorry. I, I was wondering if you meant um, yeah Nagata and Kawada. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't attacking your pronunciation. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> that's that's I, Jeff's job on yeah, this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would. I would be one to talk if if I did that. But um, yeah. Um, Kensuke and and Kawada do have a rematch in two thousand one. I think it's like as part of a little um, IWGP contendership or vacant title tournament, like a four man tournament, I think. And they have a match in that, which is 
also really good, but not at the level of the October okay. match. Um, I don't know if Nagata and Kawada do much else. Um, I think this was kind of a really, really the whole the, the All Japan New Japan feud. Like more of it happens, I think, on the All Japan side going forward after this, which is obviously what was needed because they, they were had, a, they had nobody. <laughs> yeah, they they were just bringing in guys from all corners of the earth to fill out their shows like if you look at all japan cards from like late 2000 early 2001 they would have shows with like um pco um to, like baby toriumon guys grand naniwa um uh, just all kinds of random gaijin um just they'd be the strangest cards like they'd be pulling guys from everywhere so um, really, they until they kind of got Mudo and and uh, Kojima and those other New Japan guys in as part of their roster. It was um, it was a real ramshackle roster that they had. Yeah. Um. Next match is, I believe, Lee, who, in, in terms of name, you've stayed fairly high profile with opponents, but in terms of style mm-hmm. of match, I felt it was something a little bit different to, to what we, we have uh, on the rest of the slate. Uh, walk us through your choice. Yeah, so my first choice is from August the 12th, 2001. It's the G1 Climax final, and it's Yuji Nagata versus Keiji Muto. Now, I know Alan is a massive proponent of 2001 Keiji Muto. And I'm not actually sure. I don't recall his thoughts on this match, but I know he did a specifically about Keiji Muto's 2001 with uh, Chris Zellner in a long time ago at this stage. Um, but, I mean, this match, I mean, I, lo- I love Muto. I love Muto. I love all the theatrics of, of the Muto gimmick. Mm. And, again, I was kind of, collecting power slam every month and reading power slam every month and i remember like the whole change of like the bald-headed muto and um, how different it looked and as um, a fucking cool dude oh god um, just, <laughs> just an, an incredible looking dude the shaved head the black and white tights it was all just i just love that aesthetic yeah. um, Lovely. i'm just putting out there have you thought about growing the muto beard Ah, oh, listen if we ever if we ever do another fancy dress, I'll go as 2001 Muto. Uh, you've heard it here first, gang. You've heard it here first. I grew a mustache, no problem growing a uh, goatee. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, this match. I mean, I just I had to pick, I had to pick Muto. I, I love the guy. Um yeah. But yeah, just this a total change of pace. It's yeah. very much a Muto match. Yeah. It's like a slow, methodical kind of start. There's a lot yeah. of similarities to like the current Muto. Mm. way more tolerable yes yeah. <laughs> as somebody who hasn't watched a ton of current day Muto yeah. because a lot, you know, a lot less fear he's going to drop dead or have a leg fall off while he does something <laughs> yeah you can tolerate you can tolerate the like 10 minutes of literally like just trading leg locks and and, and stuff on the mat which is really engaging because the mm-hmm. crowd is so hot as opposed to a modern clap crowd because you know towards the end they're going to like jazz it up whereas now you don't really now it's like okay towards they're doing this now and then towards the end we're going to have to sit in the edge of our seat whether mm. this guy dies or not um so it's a yeah it's not as enjoyable so you you'll know better than me alan was this part of a crossover between all japan and new japan at this point or was muto kind of still between both at this point in 2001 oh you're testing me there lee i'm not 
Sure. I think Mudo gets... I don't think he goes full-time until 2002, does he? Yeah, I think his, like, ownership or presidency or whatever role he ends up taking in, in All Japan, I think it's 2002. So I think 2001, he's still... So it's kind of murky because he's part of this stable called, get ready for this name, lads, uh, Bat, B-A-T-T, um, mm-hmm. which uh, is a cinnamon for, I think, Lee knows based on the, the smile on his face. It's <laughs> Badass Translate, tra- Badass Transit Trading, I believe, was the the um, the group name. And it was like Mudo, Jinzei Shinzaki, otherwise known as Hakushi, Don Fry, um, Taiokea, and... Think uh, Hiroshi Hase, um, and like in that group, you had guys who were New Japan guys, guys who were All Japan guys, guys who were freelance. It was like a, a real mix. So, um, like he was really going back and forth, and yeah, it was um, like he had some of his best matches of the year in All Japan that year. So, but I don't think he was an official All Japan wrestler. I don't think he was the All Japan president until two thousand two. He had, already been, sure. he had already been triple crown champion, though, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he had. Yeah. Um, but again, um, what, what, what did you guys think of the match? So uh, you kind of uh, mentioned like the Muto match, the, the methodical, but as Alan said, not like tedious um, or, or anything like that. I found myself very engaged with it because so this was the, of the six matches we have on the slate here, this was the, I think the fourth or fifth one I watched. So it was actually just at the point in the playlist where much as I enjoyed every single match, I was like, it was actually quite refreshing to see all this mat work going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do get like, this is probably of the six, this will be the one that like might not be for everybody, I think. Yeah. You know, because a lot of the the other Nagata matches we have here are very like just right. Let's just fucking batter each other for however long this match is on for. But I I really really enjoyed the mat work going on here because it was mat work that made sense. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It wasn't just let's just fucking roll around on the floor and and kill twenty minutes in this match. It was right, we're going to work limbs to try and take away each other's big moves, you know, and set up for our own. Um, Mm -hmm. So everything served a purpose. You understood why everything was happening. And I suppose at this time as well in history, you know, this was like during one of the the first uh, MMA booms. So this is like you're playing to a Japanese crowd that's probably getting more and more interested in this kind of of combat. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes a lot of sense to me, and it was really interesting. Um, I had never, I had definitely never seen it before. That's for sure. Um, and yeah, that my other main vibe from it was just like Muto was just the coolest fucking dude, <laughs> man. <laughs> like just, just what a what a dude. I think this was one of the first G1 finals I ever saw. Uh, it was a couple of years after it happened, but I would have seen it in like, oh my God, the file was probably, I don't know, 22 megabytes. Um, <laughs> like a tiny, quality. tiny WMV file or something like that. Um, Watching it on real player or something pro- like that. You joke, but most likely probably, uh, yeah. it probably was a real player a quick file. Quick time. Yeah, good quick time. Dear Jesus, you pulled that one out, Dave. I found it a quick time. Uh, but uh, the um, 
I I really enjoy this match. I've always really liked this match, and I think a big reason why is um, the the charisma and cool factor of both guys combined combined with the electric, and I mean electric mm-hmm. crowd, um, really carry the first half of the match. So that when they are like trading leg locks, working a long figure four spot, when they're doing that. Um, it's really engaging. You can't take your eyes off it. Um, but then when they let loose towards the end and the crowd are reacting and you see people like jumping up and down from their seats and yeah. my God, is that Shining Wizard over? Because yeah. like, the Shining Wizard is a brand new move at mm-hmm. that point. It yeah. is the hot shit in J- Japanese wrestling yeah. and the different variations of it and and the Gata, I think, busting out his own at some point in this match. Or his own version There's of like- it. There's like right before the Shining Wizard, Nagata hits him. I can't remember what it is he hits him with, but like the crowd pop big for whatever happens beforehand. And then like the pop is within like a second just topped by that Shining Wizard. Oh, I think he hits, I think it's a, a spinning heel kick. And then Mudo, yeah. and then Mudo gets right back while Nagata's uh, on one it, knee. I, yeah. I think it's um, Nagata does a wrist, wrist clutch exploder. That's what it is. And and Mudo pops right up into a shining wizard and they're both down then. Yeah, because then after that is the bit where they just say fuck it and the two of them just start doing wild spin kicks at each other. That's exactly the the sequence, yeah. Absolutely lost my mind. Mudo went for the um, AJ Styles Pele kick, which he He busted occasionally out in this kind of time. And it was so mental because like 18 months prior people thought Mudo's knees were gone and he was like never going to be able to do anything again and here he is doing moonsault kicks and speaking of moonsaults oh a gorgeous moonsault in this match the uh, yeah. the classic quick slam quick scale of the ropes um beautiful Mudo moonsaults just I, I I will say I watched this match with Connor beside me and Connor's a big proponent of the Muta gimmick he lo- he loves like he's not as much of a fan of uh, Muto. Has, as, has he has he done a Muto a Muta Halloween costume yet? He has not, and <laughs> I hopefully he doesn't ask because that'll just be impossible for me to do. <laughs> and it'll likely result in you with a face full of mist. Like. Uh, well, that's the other thing. <laughs> I'm not going to teach him how to do that. <laughs> Got to keep that secret safe. This week, Dave, I got misted. <laughs> Although he does know, he knows off the top of his head what all the different color mists do. So oh. You know, he, he I've I've read out the list of uh, what was it like the blue mist and the black mist and what they all do and blind and days yeah. and stuff I mean, like that. Like honestly, if do you know what I mean? I only saw a little bit of him in in WCW growing up. Like if he had been like more consistent during the period I was watching, like that dude would have been my favorite wrestler. Mm-hmm. Like because that shit is like the most. You know, I hate using the word, but it's the word they use for appealing children, like toyetic. Yeah. It's like the most like this dude is like something out of the Power the most, Rangers or some shit. To quote, to quote the uh, new Carrying Cross, he's the most marketable guy to kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, as I was saying, like I was watching the match with Connor, and he kind of was kind of paying attention, half paying attention during the early stages. Mm. But as soon as Muda busts out the backbreaker, that was it. He he yeah. was he was watching them. He thought the moonsault was it, and it was the big finish. Yeah. And then from that right through to the rest of the match, he was. He was glued to the screen. Maybe like so, you're given you're given the big dog such a great education in in a lot of wrestling at this point. Maybe what you need to do is hire Jamesy in as a tutor to get him into that grappling. 
<laughs> he'll uh, be recommending some uh, world of sport matches yeah, and, get him yeah. to listen to my uh, mudo um podcast with chris and uh, then he'll be yeah. as he'll enjoy the mudo as much as the muta I, I, i've tried to find it and i can't find it because <laughs> oh, i was shit, looking for it myself around. i don't know where it is to know yeah. uh, i think it was an excellent on bad street i want to say that's what yeah. i thought as well but i can't shoot, find shoot, it shoot chris a dm i'm sure yeah. he'll take it out for you yeah um but yeah got like like i say i just i love this match i just thought this like the cool factor as they said of muta carries so well um nagata has that crowd connection already with the with the fans it's, it, and, like the best thing you can say about it, it's got g1 final energy like yes, you, yeah, you turn yes. this on you just get the feel of the crowd see sumo hall and all its glory it's like you know you're watching a g1 final. it, fe- it no feels mistake. big it really yeah. does yeah. Uh, anything more on this one before you move on? Uh, nothing else for me. No, no, no. I'm, 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 hopefully, people go watch it because it is, yeah. like you say, it's a little bit different to every other match on the. For sure. Um. So next match on the slate here is my first pick, and this is from Noah, twelfth uh, of September two thousand and three. The one and only singles encounter of Yuji Nagata and Kenta Kobashi. Um. I picked this for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, because I was kind of like, again, I, I had said to both of you boys, like this is kind of out of my area expert of expertise, which is why I was so excited to do this. I was definitely not going to have seen the majority of matches for this show. Um, but the other reason was because since the start, I've had it in the back of my head. It's like one of these days, I'm going to figure out a way for Days of Thunder to have to talk about a Kenta Kobashi match. And finally, <laughs> that day has come. I have now given my uh, myself an excuse to watch some Kenta Kobashi. And I was kind of like, when I said that, that like this is their one and only singles encounter, I was like, I was a little bit surprised that they, there, were, there was never more, you know, they, they were in, so there was like, they were in a tag match and the uh, two tag matches they had been in in 2002 and 2003. And then this is the one, one singles match for the, the GHC heavyweight title. And I was just yeah excited to see these boys wail on each other, and they they absolutely did not disappoint here. I fucking loved this. Um, I suppose yeah. At this point, I'll, I'll kind of hand over to you guys. Let's get your overall thoughts, and then we'll go into the actual specifics. Well, guys, I teased you. Uh, I teased you <laughs> before we start recording to say I would have a rant to go on. Oh, well, here we go, Dave yeah. Ryan. Yeah, this rant. It's not about you picking this match. It's not about anything about this match not being incredible because it was. This rant is on all the gobshites of 2000's message boards that (laughs) did not give this match the credit it deserves. Yeah. uh, Both in terms of, I know there's people who actively like thought this match is trash and slated it, like tastemakers at the time who slated the match for God knows what reason because I don't see it. For those who maybe did like it or whatever, who didn't keep the praise on it over the years to have this stand the test of time as a match that's talked about as a classic match. Holy shit. Because it doesn't it doesn't it get doesn't, talked about no. as a classic. No. And it's insane because it's amazing. Yeah. It's right up there with some of the absolute best stuff from Kobashi's reign. This was in his two-year GHC title. Uh, rain where it's just having all these incredible defenses and i can only think of two off the top of my head that are definitely better than this um 
it's, it's got D- Dave gave this four and a half at the he time. Gave four and a half, which in new money is like six, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I. What, like, Alan? Do you know off the top of your head what's the context behind Nagata in Noah? I know there was a bit of crossover between New Japan and Noah at this time. Yeah, they there was a lot that they had done with the junior heavyweights um, in early two thousand two in particular, but that kind of would be on and off. Uh, they had Nagata and Tanahashi win the uh, tag team titles, um, and they beat uh, Takayama and Honda for for those belts. Um, so that was a young Tanahashi at that point. Um, it was yeah, it was so. This was the oh no, sorry, that was a later tag match. Never mind. Yeah, I think the tag title came after this, but um, yeah, it was so like he had been there had been back and forth it was kind of with new japan and noah it was i always felt at least when they interacted when i was following japanese wrestling because i had not yet got into it in 2003 but sort of from oh from oh nine to 2011 there was always kind of on and off new japan noah stuff and it would it never really kind of, I mean, I'm sure this is just bullshit Japanese wrestling politics at play, but there was never any real flow to it or natural build. It would kind of like stop dead and then be rekindled. And yeah, like it would produce amazing matches in both times, both in 02, 03 and uh, later in 09, 2010. Be great matches produced and oftentimes heat but it never really felt overly focused and occasionally they'd have a little mini thing a bit of build like maybe building up Nagata here and having them go for the title was was done well the the junior tag stuff was probably the most consistently well-built stuff that they did um I think it was a big part of establishing Noah's junior junior heavyweight division which I think that set them apart from all Japan as their predecessor um but uh yeah it was um but like, I mean, really all this needed was it was Budokan Hall. It was the main event. It was top New Japan guy with a ton of charisma in Yuji Nagata mm-hmm. against Noah's god in Kenta Kobashi, for lack yeah. of a better term, and all the charisma he brought. And two very different styles, a real styles clash here because mm-hmm. Kobashi, I've, I always find it fascinating whenever Kobashi, and it didn't happen often in his career, but whenever he's put up against a a more technical shooty type guy. There's a, a little eight minute match with Masahiro Kakihara in 1998 All Japan, um, which uh, is like Kakihara maybe is about 60 pounds, 70 pounds lighter than Kobashi, but it gives him fits in the match because Kobashi just doesn't know what to do with the, the UWFI style. He doesn't know how to, like, Kobashi doesn't know how to def- arm bars he just tries to use brute strength to get his arm free like he doesn't know how to um uh engage in like a a proper striking battle because he's just brute force and he's just Mm -hmm. hit you as hard as he can these technical strikers get in give him fits and nagata posed all kinds of problems to kobashi in this match kobashi is like his arm gets beat to hell but he's kept kobashi and he is all about heart and he is all about brute force and it's heart and brute force that win out over technique and um in, in this one and uh yeah they just tell the story really well and there's so many great moments uh nagata hits one of the best spinning heel kicks i've ever seen in this match 
Kobashi hits one of the best brain busters ever oh, in this match yes. right towards the end. Um, like early in the match, Nagata hits an overhead belly to belly suplex on the on the Noah ramp, ramp yeah, which yeah. is like that's classic wrestling, is when you when you bring the ramp into play, and, and they did it with, with great like oh Jesus, imagine being the size of Kenta Kobashi and trusting someone to give you an overhead belly to belly yeah. on the ramp. Like you have to really trust that that person is one hell of a Greco-Roman wrestler yeah. to be able to pull that off. There's like that, there's like that there's really cool little moment like right at the start of the match where they they tie each other up and they kind of get pushed into the ropes and like as Nagata lets him go he just hits one slap right to like the the like the the chin and the neck like mm-hmm. right there and there's a look in Kobashi's face that gets the crowd going which is like oh all right fucker this is what kind of match it's gonna be I see um, um and it just goes from there that that's what Alan pointed out at the start of the podcast um Yuji Nagata has, has never been the outsider in New Japan. He's always been like Mr. New Japan Army. Yeah. Well, this is your one time you're going to see Yuji Nagata as the outsider, getting yeah. drawn booze from the crowds. And he seems to eat it up in this because yeah. he is just all over Kobashi at every opportunity. Like you say, whether it's a, an unclean break on the ropes or just mm-hmm. laying in the kicks. And oh, like my a, God. The kicks in this match are fucking Kicks to the brutal. arm are just... oh. I did not um it, for once in my life I did not want to be Kenta Kobashi on this night. Yeah. There there's a bit like in the kind of um <coughs> the first maybe 10 minutes of this match where Nagata is like um so Kobashi will will try and move in close um and Nagata will check him with a leg kick and he does it a few times mm-hmm. and then like they're really annoying Kobashi because it's it's stopping him. You know what I mean? Like he's getting annoyed that he can't just, like you said, Alan, just power through because these leg chi- leg kicks are really starting to um, affect him. And there's one point where the leg gives out. I can't remember if he goes proper down or he goes down to a knee. And the look in Kabashi's face at him getting mad at himself for his body not being able to push through the pain is just, it's one of my favorite little moments. K- Kobashi's facials in the match just sell oh. ev- everything so well. Yeah. This match is masterful. I think, yeah, you had two, like, maybe the um, contrarian types that are always online, but uh, uh, and the mid-2000s were, were no different to any other era. So the, the contrarians of the time would have, um, and everyone's entitled to their taste, but Yuji Nagata and Kenta Kobashi were, were so beloved by so many that they were, they were definitely... Uh, easy targets for um someone who liked to have contrarian opinions and um as a result this match uh, i think yeah it it had a lot of people who kind of and a lot of kind of the japanese wrestling fans could be quite hipsterish of, of that time and that yeah. was it was a match that kind of uh, i know people probably felt they could they could ruffle feathers by saying this match was no good so it there was a lot of that about it at the time, but I don't know. And if you don't, if you don't enjoy watching this, to me, it's like I don't know how you enjoy pro wrestling. Because to me, this is this is everything that's great about pro wrestling. There's like in this there's, match. there's a minute stretch in like the middle of the match where um, Nagata grabs Kobashi's head and just keeps kneeing him in the head. He's oh, like brutal knees, and then he just fucking dumps him on his head. Then yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. And one of the only times you'll see someone kick out of Nagata's 
backdrop driver hold yeah. in this yes. match. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's that in alone. Like you can tell the, the respect that Kenna Kobashi has um, from a guy like Yuji Nagata because uh, Nagata to put him over clean like this on his on Kobashi's turf um, and to have him kick out of his big move like that's yeah, yeah it, it says it all. And right after the brain buster, after Kobashi's brain buster. I just have an old saying, the sounds out of this crowd are yeah. just incredible. They're living and dying. Yeah, this. like yeah. you can that's, hear individual shrieks from the crowd. Mid-90s, green mat, Noah mm-hmm. Budokan Hall wrestling right there. That is, that is, I live for that. Like that is so, yeah. Some of my favorite pro wrestling took place in that building with that mat in those years. And just when it's, when it's great, I don't, think there's anything better uh there's like you know obviously you know i'm not gonna like blow anyone's mind by by talking about what a legendary title run this was that that kobashi had but it, it you know this match gave me an opportunity to reflect on you know what makes a great title reign and you know it's not about you know coming up against big names and breezing through them and looking decisively the better guy all the time you know it's about it's not about having the coolest moves either. It's about like being taken to the limit by the best competition and just refusing to die. Like you said, Alan, that will to keep going, that brute force to push through, find that next level uh, and win. And that was what Kabashi was all about. And this is like, like you said, it looked for periods of this match, like Nagata had his number you know, with some of the, the strikes he was doing that were stopping him doing his thing. And then when, like he was working the arm uh, and things like that. It's like, okay, you know, maybe the, the, like he said, the God of this company, maybe he's in trouble here, but you know, him refusing to say die is, is what characterized this match for me so much. Yeah. Nothing else on, on my end on this one. Yeah. I just, it, what, what can you say really? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we could be here another hour gushing about it part, like minute by minute, but uh, we, we we've build. got three more great matches to get to. That's true. And <laughs> the next one, Alan is uh, your second pick. Yes, indeed. This is uh, I talked about, I talked about a lot of this. I won't repeat the points at the start of the show with Tanahashi. And um, this was the, the first kind of big match of the series. I'm sure they had singles matches with each other prior to this. They definitely did, but this was, uh, the first big one of the 2007 series. Uh, Nagata was, cha- or Tanahashi was champion coming in. He was coming off uh, uh, Tokyo Dome, the first Wrestle Kingdom, where he defeated Tai Okea. Um, he's had a couple of other defenses. And then you get here in April, and he's going up against the New Japan Cup winner in Yuji Nagata. And it's just a, an absolute masterclass in a veteran up-and-coming guy through the ringer and you see Tanahashi takes such a beating in this match and he has to earn every bit of respect and every ounce of offense he gets on the gala has to be earned and you feel the crowd treat Tanahashi more as a credible guy because he was having a lot he was in parallel to the period where John Cena was getting turned on by the, the male fans and the smart fans in the US, you had the same thing happening in Japan with Tanashi. Um, and 
this match was a huge change, of course, for him. And he took such a beating that he earned the respect of those fans. Um, it's kind of like, it's almost like what Cena went through with Umaga a couple of months earlier. But Cena, like people respected Cena for that, but they mm-hmm. still kept doing him and stuff. Tanahashi, yes. it, it did change things for him. He, yeah. he did start getting different reactions. And uh, yeah, this match was huge. Um, Nagata's incredible in it like you could tell he was a man on a mission to get Tanahashi over here but also to make Tanahashi earnest yeah. and Tanahashi did he was he was great here and um Lee I know you mentioned in our in our uh, chat um a couple of notes you had about this match from a few few of the great spots that were there so I'll let you uh I'll let you bring them up there's one in particular that you noted then that I just thought was a great moment is that the uh, the Cobra twist near the end? Yeah, yes, I, it I, is. I, I totally <laughs> brought the, the Cobra twist into the into the pinfall. I thought that was the finish. Um, but God, yeah, like this match just again. I think I saw this. I want to say years ago, I would have seen this, but like that, I'd forgotten a lot of it. Um, yeah. but the sounds, like the one thing that stood out to me was the sounds not only of Nagata's kicks, yeah, but Tanahashi slaps. I just think they popped so well. And like Alan said, you can you can feel it in the crowds where the attitudes towards Tanahashi is changing. Yeah. And he is ge- earning a bit more respect the longer this match goes. Yeah. But God, yeah, no, the, like Alan said, I, I put up a, a kind of couple of notes. Like this first match I watched in the series, in uh, the six matches. And again, I'd watched Nagata a couple of times I won't say I've done like a big deep dive in his career but the backdrop driver he hits oh. right before the finish not yeah. the not the finish but the one just before I lost my goddamn mind he yeah. just plants Tanahashi yeah I I think like my, my favorite thing about this match that there are some great spots involved but just the role Nagata plays to perfection here of you know like Tanahashi the young handsome champion Mm-hmm. coming in and the gas are just playing the the kind of brick wall of like no that's that, that you're yeah. not gonna have a nice <laughs> night here fucker and like alan said i'm gonna make you earn this there's a moment i think it's less than 10 minutes into the match where nagata hits three of the loudest kicks i've ever heard in my life and mm-hmm. tanahashi's body just crumples crumples yeah, yeah yeah he crumples i love when he's doing the the period of the match where he's being incredibly kick focused um i love him aiming the kicks directly at the shoulder to set up the armbar yeah again it's just one of those little things that seems so obvious when you say it that not everyone thinks to do do you know what i mean like it's very targeted it- offense it's one thing I've picked up throughout these matches is Nagata with his kicks. If he wants to hurt you, he'll kick you in the chest. Yeah. If he's setting up for either the armbar or the uh, the Nagata lock, I think it's Nagata lock two is the leg is the leg lace. Yeah. Um, he will kick you inside the toy or at the knee. Yeah. His offense is so focused on everything he does and plays into every bit of the matches he has mm-hmm. that he it just builds so well. And like you, like we said with the, the uh, Muro match, it's engaging because yeah. it keeps you interested. You go like if he goes after the arm, you're like, okay, right, he's setting up for the Nagata lock. Yeah. If he goes after the leg, you know, he's setting up for the the leg lace, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's so intelligent. Yeah. 
that a lot of people just don't it, it yeah. it's crazy that a lot of people don't actually do the same stuff and you know from tana's side of things as well it's so it, there there's such an intelligence to it as well because like as nagata is using the kicks to set up the arm bar by targeting the shoulder you notice a change in tanahashi where he starts focusing on the leg to take the mm-hmm. kicks away take the kicks away yeah you know he does a couple of absolutely brutal dragon screws um there's is there a figure four in here as well um that that happens there's like a long submission spot as well Mm -hmm. where where he's just trying to wear down that leg and you know even if he's not going to beat him with something leg focus at least like this guy will stop pounding on me with that fucking foot if i can take Uh, it away from him and it's interesting that even in that series where tana is on top where he's he's hit multiple dragon screws at this point you can still hear some bills in the crowd yeah yeah and Um, yeah and yeah uh, anything else to add on this one before we, we move on? Um, this was, uh, at the time, a lot of people considered this, um, probably a lot of the, the same people who I was just giving out about on, on message boards at the time, <laughs> but um, a, a lot of people talked about this as perhaps the greatest IWGP championship match of all time. So it was really held within r- wide regard. And I... I probably like when I saw this in 2007, I wouldn't have seen every IWGP title match mm. beforehand. Um, do I think there's an argument that this is the best up until the Okada Tanahashi matches start happening? Very possible. Um, yeah, yeah. It flew depends by on the, it, another match that flew by as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it depends on the day of the week you'd ask me, but it's absolutely in contention. Like, there's probably only a handful of other. Um, title matches I can think of that are at this this kind of level. Uh, next up, Lee, your second pick. My second pick is hang on, I get the date up. It is the twenty fourth of August. Or sorry, no, it's the first of August, twenty fourteen. G one climax twenty four. It's Yuji Nagata against Katsuyori Shibata. Oh, and uh, another guy I'm delighted to finally get to talk about <laughs> on this show. <laughs> I mean, this this I knew instantly as soon as Alan picked um, Chibata, this was a match I knew I was going to pick because this is the start. As far as I remember, it's the start of Shibata. And this is Shibata at his kind of narkiest best in New Japan. Yeah. Where he's just this kind of disrespectful guy that's been brought back into the company and it's just... I don't want to say he's hurting people because that's not what he's doing, but it just it comes across that he's just angry and upset at the world and the, and like the locker room haven't haven't embraced him and yet. He, he had simmered down at this point, and he yeah. probably and he probably he was kind of chilled out at this point. This was after because I think the feud with Tanahashi, Tanahashi where they like, kind of embraced him, didn't yeah, he? where like it's the respect thing, and then they come out the other side of that feud respecting each other, but like before that. It was yeah. like pure that, hatred and obnoxiousness from outsides. But like even like the very first lockup in this match, like you get a clean break from Nagata, they lock up again into the ropes, and Shibata just slaps oh, him yeah. on the head. Oh, it's still Shibata. Oh, like, there might still, be, yeah, yeah. There might be respect <laughs> here, but at the end of the day, you're still dealing with Hatsukori Shibata at Cork and Hall in a G1 against yeah. a guy like Huji Nagata, who's 
going to be able to take whatever you dish out and yeah. would want you to dish out your your yeah. fiercest and your worst so yeah he's uh, gonna bring it in that situation yeah. there's very much that vibe where it's like oh oh kid you think you can kick yeah and from that <laughs> moment on it's just it's all go it's like these two just kick the ever-loving shit out each other at some point and it's very yeah. much a match that like tells the story of like you know the the older man still having a sting in the tail mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. even the brash disrespectful Shibata, there's like some kicks that Nagata throws at him that just like leave him reeling, and he's just like it's almost like he doesn't expect the guy to be able to hit him this hard or to hurt him this much. Yeah, this is just like. This is the the classic kind of the, the last two matches here are that case of you see that on paper coming up in a G1 and you're just like, yep, circle that one in the calendar. That's one I'm going to try and watch as soon as possible um, because they're just going to fucking leather each other. And 2014 yeah. G1, Nagato was amazing in that tournament. So many guys had a great tournament that year. Obviously, Shibata too. But yeah, Nagata, I just remember being oh, so good. Like that I, G1 was um, just unbelievable. They, I, I loved something early in this match I loved is that they got the crowd to bite on a double count out. Tease. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Where the two of them are on the outside just absolutely they, they, lettering yeah. each other. So it's like they both, yeah, they both. <laughs> so they, they go to the outside and like uh, Nagata does like the running boot into the, the, the barricade. The yeah. Yeah. And then they're kind of like, they both try to suplex each other on the floor and then they give up and just start throwing bombs at each other and like it's not even that they're both dead on the floor it's that they're too busy beating the shit out of each other that they nearly missed the counts it's great um yeah anything else on, on this one no i would say that like the um like the mudo match where i talked about you watch it and know it's a g1 final this you watch it and you know you're watching like a cork and g1 show it's just got that energy um yeah. oh, i thought that like I could go on another rant, a far more uh, horrible rant about um, uh, when we saw the G1 lineups this morning and how this upcoming <laughs> G1 is just so depressing. Oh my God. Um, this is probably yeah. like the worst kind of show we could have done with that news yeah. on the horizon. Alan won't be getting his House of Torture t shirt anytime soon, no? <laughs> no. Uh, but like, you go back and you watch, and like, like I'm, I'm going to really make a point of, of watching because I, I think the brand of the G1 is going to take a real hammering over the next mm-hmm. six weeks. It really will. And uh, uh, that sucks because to me, it's a brand. So um, I'm going to really make the point of um, watching as much of matches exactly like this one, like yeah. a match you might have forgotten about, you know, yeah. just there's so many of these matches from over the years in the G1s, particularly in these recent years where it was just, the G1 just so many out. yeah, yeah. Um, since 2013 it was just pumping out match after match so like I'm going to really make a point of going back watching a lot of these matches and doing some shows talking about them um, it's definitely something I have in, in my mind for September October sounds good um, one thing I want to point out is Alan mentioned in the Kobashi match that very few people kick out of Nagata's backdrop driver yeah. these last two matches ended with a backdrop driver yeah yeah Absolutely, yeah. The backdrop driver hold after so Shibata kicks out. This was a sort of this was the era where New Japan Ghetto was very much into the you kind of have your finisher that the guys will kick out of, and then you mm-hmm. have your finisher that they won't kick out of. So like yeah. with Naito, for instance, like that running desk, you know, everyone kicked 
bad out, but mm-hmm. always gets a big near fall pop. But then he hits the regular wind up that's you know, and no one kicks out. But with, for Nagata, it was he'll hit the backdrop release, yeah, and it will always the, get a great near fall. You'll always break out of it, yeah, yeah. And but then when he picks you up and he holds that bridge, you're not kicking out, but it's over, unless, yeah. you're, unless you're Kenta Kobashi on the green mat. There we go. <laughs> the, uh, the final match in our timeline is my final pick and, and kind of similar to, to Lee's thought process in the Shibata match was... was and very similar in that it's the same date, August 1st. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is from Block A of the G1 Climax in 2017 and is Yuji Nagata versus Tomohiro Ishii. And kind of similar to to Lee is like I see those two names on the piece of paper and I'm like this is gonna slap and it just reminds me very much of how I used to navigate New Japan at the start of me kind of like trying to dip my toe in it because Mark uh, friend of the show Mark Robinson was my Sherpa when I started watching some New Japan and he would just say to me look when in doubt if you're trying to pick G1 matches to watch Knowing you, if Tomohiro Ishii is involved, there's a fair chance you'll enjoy it because a lot of his matches, he just goes in there and let's just fucking batter each other for as long as this match lasts. Uh, and this is one of those, like I wouldn't say, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that this is the sixth of six with some genuinely historic matches following uh, it in our discussion. But I really like this one where it's just like, these are two dudes that, you know, the way they strike and and the way their matches are structured, like they've got to be in tremendous pain already, like in it, it not not too far into a G one, and they start this match off quick and they start it off hard, absolutely just leathering each other. Um, they're they're the ultimate G one warriors. Like yeah. mm-hmm. they will never let it show. They will never let the they will never sell the dents in their arm. Other guys will be pulling out or. Or you know, have uh, what uh, these guys—they they refuse to be beaten by the G One. Like yeah. it's, they are that make the G One what it is. They are the guys that make it the this thing with the reputation of being so tough to get through. It's because of Yuji Nagata. It's because of Tomohiro Ishii. You you take those guys out of it, it becomes a lot softer. Yeah. <laughs> And that, like, kind of one of my readings of the match is almost like Ishii being, particularly in the early parts of the match, being, like, almost disrespectful of the idea is, like, no, I'm the, I'm, like, the Iron Man of the G1, like, you're you're not getting through me, like, he does stuff, like, there's a bit where he paintbrushes Nagata, and just Nagata goes crazy and starts, like, just smacking the shit out of him, mm-hmm. Um. so, yeah, I, I, I love that. What did you think of it, Lee? Uh. Yeah, I mean, very similar to the Shibata match. I just yeah. want to point out, like, that point you made. This is night 11 of the G1. Yeah. So these guys have already had five matches. So it's very much, like Alan said, it, it's into that kind of, like, right, this is the middle of the G1. These guys are hurt. They don't give a fuck. They're going to go yeah. out there. And, and the Gad, I think, is on no points coming into this. Um, Oh, you probably... I, th- I think he's on no that- points. Familiar that he had a he had a poor showing points wise that year and um a a, a great an amazing thing about it is when I went searching for for this match this might have been this was probably the guy's last G one yeah this was his last G one okay. um uh so yeah he was going all out and yeah but he wasn't getting any I don't know if he ends up getting any points at all um mm. but uh he I, I was looking to get this match in New Japan World and I was flicking through. And I was just seeing the graphic of all of them in all their other 
murders in the days after this and mm-hmm. days before it, and like the murderers row of guys these guys were wrestling. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> um, crazy. There, there, there's one spot in this match that I just love. I wonder and if it's the same as mine. Nagata is at one point just picking up Ishii so he can kick him and knock him back down. And and I think he does this like four or five times. He just kicks him, picks him up, kicks him, picks him up. And it's just like, my God, like just give the man a break for him. But yeah, like these two, they just go out there. They just hit each other hard. The fans are into it. I mean, it's the G1. This is what you want. Uh, there's like there's one great bit that shows like you know kind of uh you know it tees off what you were saying Oliver that like he has a poor showing but like there's definitely still danger about him where they're standing toe to toe and Ishii is just hitting him with strike after strike after strike and then Nagata responds with one forearm mm-hmm. and Ishii just hits the deck and I was like that is great stuff like the old man can still go um. Yeah, I don't have like a like a huge amount to say on the rest of this. I just like this is kind of one of those classic matches that when in doubt, if I saw this on the card, I'm 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 definitely watching this to get myself in in a G1 sort of mood. Um, and it wasn't like a, an all timer brain buster like in one of the matches that we uh, we uh, he, he, watched he earlier. Took, but there's a he couple took care of them. Yeah, there's there's a couple in this. They look pretty good, but clearly, yeah, he took care of them. Um, yeah, really, really enjoyed this. Um. I think, gentlemen, we, we've given people a nice taste of Yuji oh, Nagata. Can, can I just say w- yeah. w- one thing quickly on him, Dave, uh, just on for the Ishii match? Um, I, 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 this was obviously their last G1 match, would it be in Nagata's last G1? So it was kind of a, a real, um, it was a real important thing in that regard. They would obviously go on to have great matches after this, but this was their last G1 match. And, and Nagata had been a guy that was so important to Ishii's career, and I'm sure Ishii saw that. I'm sure, like, Ishii's probably, I'd, I'd say Tomohiro Ishii's a guy that doesn't hand around respect very easily. I'd say you have to earn his respect. Um, and I'm sure Yuji Nagata is someone who he holds at the highest regard, because yeah. when Ishii was basically a jobber in New Japan, who they never did anything with, he was the lost post of Great Bash Heel, um, he would occasionally get singles matches just for whatever reason. I don't know if it was by request from Nagata, but, but like the only kind of top guy that Ishii ever wrestled in singles matches was Yuji Nagata. They had like from 05 to, oh, to 2011, um, they had like a couple of singles matches, maybe five or six, um, just on random shows. Like they had a lockup match when they had that lockup promotion that was an offshoot of new japan there was a ricky choshu promote uh, promotion and, and ishii was choshu's boy so he was like the champion there and nagata came in wrestled him on that um new japan cup match they had a bunch of random matches before ishii was ever even considered for a g1 and nagata was like the only sort of top guy who would ever kind of give ishii a lot now ishii never beat him in those matches because he would never be booked to he never beat anyone um but nagata would actually like make it seem like he could be beaten by ishii which no one else did and you definitely would have got the sense that in a a match so many years later where ishii had had his breakthrough he was looking to really you know give nagata his due Mm -hmm. yeah 
right, gentlemen. Um, without further ado, that's kind of like I said, we've we've given people I think a good taster of Yuji Nagata outside of WCW, and I think offered like a nice slate of matches to to recommend for people. And I'm sure we could stay on another hour. I, I'm sure uh, Alan would have plenty of other recommendations for Nagata, but. Uh, I think that's a nice starter for people, uh, a crash course in Eugene Nagata. I know I certainly, I think I'd only seen two of the six matches on this list. So this was like, in some ways, this was the most fun episode of this yet because it was a real education for me. Um, and some of those matches like that tag match that I am absolutely going to be revisiting time after time. Mm-hmm. So um, Alan, thank you so much for finally coming on the show. We're delighted to have you. Oh, thank um, you guys. Pleasure was mine. Do you have any plugs to hit us with on your way out? Where can people uh, just, find your shit? <laughs> just quick ones. Uh, Alan4L on Twitter will have everything. I will point out that my latest Progress Paradise, which might have dropped right before, right after this show, um, depending on when you guys post it. I think I'll put uh, this up in about two or three weeks. Okay, well then it will have dropped uh, probably about two, two or three weeks ago. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Myself and Joe Gagne will... Um, have been discussing some 2000s Japanese wrestling favorites of ours um, as a kind of like a tribute to real hero. And um, one of the matches we have in there is a Yuji Nagata match. So uh, if you liked hearing us talk Yuji Nagata on this show, you'll get another opportunity there as I talk about him and Yoshihiro Takayama for the 2002 Tokyo Dome. And uh, um, yeah, uh, thank you so much again, guys. It was a blast. And uh, yeah, go subscribe, Peter Butorch VIP, all that jazz. And we'll get us in the days of thunder course <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much buddy uh, as for us we uh you know the links it, it, they're in the, the show credits but we will be back in about two weeks uh with another episode of days of thunder thanks for listening everybody see you later <laughs>